Welcome to the podcast of Revival Life Church, a spirit-filled multicultural church in Boca Raton, Florida. If you would like more information about Revival Life Church or Pastor Carl Thomas, you can find us on the web at revivallife.church. Amen, amen. Give a clap offering to God. Now get your holy hands and lay them on some people to clear the peace of God over some people around you. Declare the hope of God over some people around you. Come on, come on. Declare deliverance, freedom, and peace. Come on, freedom and peace. This might be the most important moment of your week right now. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. If you brought your Bible this morning, go ahead and turn to Isaiah chapter 11. Hallelujah. 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 Isaiah chapter 11. Thank you for reading your Bibles. Thank you for bringing a Bible. Thank you for having an electronic Bible. Thank you for loving the Word of God. Isaiah chapter 11. Man, I've been, uh, I've been fighting COVID. Just, just, just do that a little bit. I've been fighting COVID. I've been fighting COVID. Anybody hear me? I had a deadly plague, and y'all are just kind of casually... I myself was bearing the pandemic, and they just casually, whatever. I hate, how about you? I hate COVID. How about you? I, I hate, I hate COVID. I hate it. It's from the devil. Here's the thing about COVID. You think like, so they gave me steroids. Wish it was these kind of steroids, but it was the kind of steroids that make you kind of crazy, right? And the thing is, it makes you feel like you're good, and you go and do something. And then your body lets you know you ain't good. You're not, you're not, you're not good. But so like, it's like if anybody's had it, like you think you have energy and like you have like a good energy level early in the day and then the energy just kind of runs out. Like you, you thought it was going to continue and it just kind of ends. And then you're just like, well, that's it for today. That's all we get for today. You think you're all right, but, 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 but you're not. And uh, this, this could, to me is like a parable for life with God. It's, it's, it's a parable for a life with, uh, that we read in the Old Testament of Israel and Judah, who time and again thought they were okay because things looked good, but then they find out the things around them, not so good. Things are, things are not so good. Things, things, things pop up and uh, start having some problems. And so Judah, Judah, we're studying the book of Isaiah here, and Isaiah is, is, is talking to the nation of Judah. And Judah had gone, at this point where we're at, they'd gone a half a century with no war. They'd had no battle. They thought that everything was good because they had not had a struggle. And what Judah didn't realize was other nations, they would attack you head on, but they had this neighbor, the Assyrians. And the Assyrians were smart. The Assyrians didn't fight you on the border. What they did was they would infiltrate your country and they would turn internally the leaders against the leader. They would take over from the inside, kind of like an infection. Everything looks all right on the outside, but there's something brewing on the inside, you know. Like uh, my wife and I went to a new Mexican restaurant. 
once because it was something brewing on the inside. We thought things were good, but things were not good. We will not be returning. That happens every single time I go on a mission trip to Mexico. When I go on a mission trip to Mexico, I see miracle signs and wonders everywhere except for my intestinal tract. I get sick every time I go to Mexico. It is not, it is, tacos al pastor are not, it's seen pastor, it's against the pastor. And so Isaiah, Isaiah was, Isaiah was the prophet. Now he was prophesying to a people who thought they were living in peace. But he's letting them know. You don't have to explain my test on track here, dude. Let's... So Isaiah the prophet was trying to let his people know. I know, I know it looks like things are good. But he says, but he was able to tell, man, y'all stop trusting God. And so nothing good can happen from that. <clears throat> Instead of turning to God, <clears throat> they decide, here's what we'll do. Um, we see problems are happening. So instead of turning back to God like we know we're supposed to, we'll go ahead and we'll make some alliances. So they said, we'll make an alliance with Syria. We'll make an alliance with with Israel, and that's how we will keep the enemy out of our camp. We'll use our own mind and our own plans. And Isaiah's like, that's not how it works. That's not how this relationship with God works. The way this relationship with God works is, you have to trust God for your provision, otherwise nothing's going to work. They needed to follow God. None of this was going to work, and God was saying through Isaiah, I see what you're doing, and things are going to fail. But God says, one day, you'll return to me, and I'll rebuild you. If you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1. I'm going to read two long passages of Scripture today, and uh, it's going to bless you. Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1. I'm reading out of the NIV. You can read out of whatever. I think it's a little more clear on this one. It says, a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding and counsel and might. The spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. He will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears. But his righteousness, he will will judge the needy. With justice, he'll give decisions for the poor of the earth. He'll strike the earth with a rod out of his mouth. With the breath of his lips, he'll slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness, the sash around his waist. The wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat, the calf, and the lion, and the yearling together. And the little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear. Their young will lie down together. The lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den. The young child will put his hand in the viper's nest. They will not harm nor destroy on all my holy mountains. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will rally to him and his resting place will be glorious. And Father, we trust that you would bless the reading of your word. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen and amen and amen. Amen. 
So we are in our Advent message series. Advent, of course, means the creation or the arrival of Jesus. And that's who we're expecting. We are expecting Jesus. Amen? We are expecting Jesus. I'm going to do some technical talk right now. Ignore me for a moment. I think you need to mute the, um, this mic here is going to give us feedback. We good? You want to mute that mic right there. That mic. Good job. I know we'll get it. Give it up for our production team. We're, we're, we're running. We're just working things out. Do you know how to mute one? Let's mute one. We got it. So what, what you know, last week, we're, we're, we're expecting Jesus. And last week, we talked about expecting hope. Now, I, I, I want to I be honest with you today. I, um, I have been with the Lord. I have been experiencing the Lord. I have seen the Lord moving in my life in the last weeks. I have heard His voice and I have seen His Spirit move. And the goal today is that the Lord would come and do something in your life today. Amen? I believe that the Spirit of God is going to move in people's lives this week. If you did not notice it this last week, you will notice it this week. I am going to teach this Bible but the Holy Ghost of God is here and He's going to impact your lives in ways you do not even know yet. Amen. This is what is going to happen. So we are preparing for Jesus. We have decided that we're not going to celebrate Christmas before Christmas. We are actively looking for Jesus to come into the world and, in fact, in our lives. This is what we are doing in this season. We are looking for Jesus. We're getting alone with the Holy Ghost and we're looking for areas of our life that don't reflect God's promises and we are going to begin hoping that Jesus would come and move in those areas. This is what we're looking for. And today we're going to talk about the peace of God that Jesus has promised us, that he's promised you, that he's promised the world that we don't yet quite see. And we read this passage in Isaiah, it's easy to say, oh, they're just talking about Jesus, this is a prophecy about Jesus, and yes, but it meant real things to a real people in a real nation at the time it was delivered. As we study Isaiah chapter 11, as we study the book of Isaiah, it's important to understand that this book was written to a specific group of people in a specific time, and we could take the lessons and put them in our lives, but these are real people who needed a real promise from God. And we want to learn these lessons so we can learn who God is in our lives. Now, God, God wants to come and invade your life. God wants to make a place in your life for himself. And he wanted to make a place for himself in the lives of these people. And he made these promises to them. And it's easy to be uh, attracted to these promises. He says things like, hey, there's going to be good news to the poor. If you're poor... This Messiah is showing up and it's good news. It talks about the wolf and the lamb lying together. It talks about their serpents, dens of serpents, and the young ones will put their hands in it and they won't be harmed. And, and, it's, and, and, and like, it's so fantastical and it draws our attention to it. And, it. and there's these exciting promises, but it's easy to miss the beginning of what Jesus is saying to them and get right to the promise. At the beginning of this scripture that we read, God is saying, hey, guess what? I have all these things I want to give you, but I'm going to have to make a little room for them first. I want to come and live in your life, but I 
am going to have to make a little room for myself because you have not made room for me, he tells them. Judah has grown so comfortable in her wealth and prosperity that she felt like she no longer needed God. And, and I got to tell you, as, as, a, as, a, as a Christian and as a pastor, uh, I, have, I, have, I have great joys and I have great sorrows. I have great joys in, in my ministry. I have seen so many people come out of addiction, come out of broken lives, come out of broken families, come out of poverty, and come into married families where they have beautiful children and they own businesses and, 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 and their lives flourish. I've just seen it so many times and it brings me so much joy. And then there's great sorrow when I see people get to that place and not give God glory in that place. Completely move on from God in their, in their, in their prosperity. And what brings me the greatest sadness is I know how that story ends. I, I'm, I'm old enough to know how that story ends. The one who got you there will keep you there. And when you leave that one, bad things happen. Even if you don't recognize it once you walk away. And so Judah here started this prosperity and they felt like, oh, following God is a burden. Now that we're in the promised land, do we really need all those God things? And Isaiah is like, guess what? Like you're running on yesterday's fuel. You're running on yesterday's relationship with Jesus. You're running on yesterday's prayer time. You're running on yesterday's breakthrough and you're going to run out of momentum. And then things will get bad. The ways of God are unchanging, and Israel and Judah in this scripture, God time and again uses these, these agrarian metaphors, and he, and, he, and he likened Israel and Judah to a mighty tree that would not be moved. And as we look in the Psalms, and we look at the scriptures, he talks about trees planted by the rivers of living water, but there's something interesting. He says right here at the beginning, Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1, Isaiah stands up and he, and he tells the people of Judah, he says, a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. Now that to us may not make any sense. It may not mean anything. It may just mean, okay, there's a tree and, you know, a new, a new sapling is coming. That's great. That's, 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 that's beautiful. But we have to understand in the history of Israel and Judah, what does this mean? You see, Jesse was the father of David. David, of course, was the great king of Israel who rebuilt the temple and, or, or, or set aside the, he built the Ark of David, um, excuse me, the Temple of David, the, the tent where they brought the Ark in and there was the worship and there was the, there was the Tabernacle of David where they worshiped day and night before the Ark. He let, set aside all the supplies so his son Solomon could build the great temple. He was the great deliverer. He was considered a messianic figure and everybody said that the Messiah would be the offshoot of David, this was the house of Jesse. And so this house of Jesse was a massive tree. Think of a massive oak tree. Or we have these huge banyan trees in Florida that are, that are huge and they're wide and they have these roots that come down and the huge storms will come, but the massive ones that are tended correctly won't be blown over. And Isaiah prophesies to them about this massive tree. He says, a new shoot will come up out of the stump. And you think, huh, a stump? I thought it was a massive tree. And God is letting them know, you think it's a tree now, but it's actually been cut down. 
It's actually been leveled. The tree is no more. There is only a stump, even though you don't see it yet. You're, you're traveling on yesterday's relationship with God, thinking everything is great, but it is a stump. And he says, hey, hey, it's a stump, but, but one day I'll, I'll redeem it. And the people, the people couldn't get it. The modern prophet was saying time after time, hey, guess what? Things are not good, even though you don't recognize it. It would be like a modern prophet today in America who came and, well, if we actually had national prophets we could trust, uh, would come and say, hey, one day America will have a freely elected president again. And you'd be like, wait a minute, what, what do you mean one day? What, what do we, that, that, that means that we're entering into a season where we have dictators. That, that would be bad news. You understand that? Are you with me? Having a dictator would be bad news. Countries without democracy, things do not go well. Anybody say amen? And so this would be like saying, hey, one day God says America will be a democracy again. And that would be a scary word. That would mean that someone's going to overthrow our government, the Constitution would be thrown out, our rights, our freedoms would go away, but one day we would get it back. That, that, that's something that we would pay attention to. And so Isaiah is saying that, hey, out of the stump of Jesse, a, a new shoot is going to come forth. And, and, and the problem wasn't that God had cut them off. The problem wasn't that their sin had cut them off. The problem is that they didn't even see that they were away from God. The problem was they didn't even recognize that the tree had been cut off into a stump. And that is, my friends, the worst place we could be. The worst place, worse than living in sin is not recognizing you're living in sin. Worse than not knowing God is not knowing you do not know God. I grew up my whole life thinking I was right with Jesus. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Oh, I knew Jesus. No, I know he's my savior. I know who he is. I, I know he died on the cross. I knew, ah, I know all this, but I didn't know that I was not right with God. I did not know that he was not actually my savior. I had not received him and repented of my sins and had a personal relationship with Jesus. I had not been baptized in the Holy Ghost. I did not hear his voice. I was not walking with God. But I thought that I was. And the fact that I thought I was a follower of Christ made me think I didn't need to know the good news. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm talking about right now. We talked about the good news is news and it is good. And it has to be news. And I thought I was right with God, so I did not need the news. I thought I already knew it. But I didn't. It needed to become news to me. And so many people think they know the good news, but they don't actually know the news. So their heart makes them immune to what God is trying to speak to their heart. Just make it sense. And so Israel thought, hey, everything's going good. We, we, there's no, we don't need new news. And so God raises up a prophet and says, guess what? You think you're right because things are going good, because you're happy, because in your heart you're, you're the people of God, but he's already cut it down. And before he begins telling them how everything is going to go horribly wrong, he lets them know, but one day, one day, I'm here to tell you today, if you find yourself in that spot, one day, Jesus is coming and he's going to set things right. Can you say amen? amen. Jesus is coming and he's going to set things right. That is the promise of God for your life. Jesus is coming and he's going to set things 
right. Many of us have been through some hard seasons the last couple of years. Can anybody say amen? We have been through some struggles the last couple years. And the promise of God is that Jesus is coming and he's going to set things right. Now, Isaiah was telling the people of Judah that there were days of struggle coming. And you may be in struggle now, or struggle may be coming to your future. You may be coming out of a season of struggle, hopefully. And I want to encourage you today, do not waste your struggle. The dumbest thing you could do is stay in the same struggle year after year after year and not learn the lesson. This is what Judah was about to do. They were away from God, and bad times were coming, and their answer was to turn to something other than God. And God is like, hey, as long as you want to play this game, I can play this game. If you want to keep turning to things other than me, I will let you see what you get when you turn to things other than me. But one day, God prophesies over them, you will turn to me. And once you turn to me, I will restore you. And I, there will be a new shoot that comes out of that stump that has been cut down. Many of you have stumps in your life right now, things that were flourishing, that were beautiful, that looked like they were going to provide shade the rest of your life and were completely ruined. And I'm here to let you know, if you turn your life back to God, a new shoot will raise up and God will redeem that thing that he gave you in the past. He will redeem that promise that he's given you. His promises don't go away. They are still yes and amen in your life. But you can't waste your struggle. You cannot give it to the enemy. Last week, I talked about the mountain of the Lord, and this is the high place where we meet with God. When you're in your struggle, when you're in your wilderness, when you find out that that thing is cut down, sometimes it's scary to go back to your secret place. Let's just be honest. Sometimes when you've been disappointed in your life and you get disappointed by God, you think, do I really want to turn back to this? It's so many broken promises, it feels like, or so many empty promises, so many times that I have been let down, but it's actually a beautiful place of rediscovering the real, living, true, breathing Jesus in your life. The mountain of the Lord is where we get our breakthrough. The mountain of the Lord is where we encounter the real God. It's the high place where we meet with God. There's a pattern I want you to see that you may have discovered in your life that you'll see throughout Scripture over and over and over again. It's this. Put up, if you would, please, Josh. It is deliverance. Wilderness, promised land. Deliverance, wilderness, promised land. See, we want to be in the struggle and then move directly into the promised land. We want to go from struggle to flourishing. And that is not how God works. We go from deliverance, wilderness, promised land. But you know what's missing in this slide? The bondage you needed deliverance from. Because we never recognize when we're in that bondage when we're in it. Now, we may see the fruit, the lack of hope, the lack of peace, the constant conflict with other people, maybe the lack in our finances, maybe, maybe relationships that don't last, maybe disappointment and fear, maybe your insomnia is because of anxiety, maybe, maybe there's a bondage that you're living in right now, and we want to go from bondage to promised land, but it's just... Not the pattern of God. It's not the pattern in the Bible. It's not what we see over and over again. Sure, God can do it, but it's not the norm. And what we see here, Israel, they do not recognize that they are in bondage at this moment to their own mind frames. They're in bondage to their own delusion. They think that they can, pro can prosper without God. And this is not the way it works. 
Keep it up if you would for one second, Josh. Thank you, though. So what happens is God delivers us. Delivers us from that oppression. Maybe you're in a bad relationship with an abusive partner and you finally get delivered. But you don't go from abusive partner to happy partner because now you're still carrying the wounds of the bad relationship. Amen? You may have had a good friend who who violated your trust and, 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 and betrayed you. You don't go from that to another best friend. You get the deliverance, but now, 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 now you find yourself in the wilderness. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You're not where you were, but you're not quite where you want to be. I did a whole message series on this wilderness. The wilderness is a place of growth. The wilderness is where you discover the true God. The wilderness is where always God speaks from so, t- so many times in the, the prophets. It's easy to slide into this bondage. There's, there's, there's times when you come into Christ and you're so excited about Jesus and you shed all the cares of the world and you're running after God. You're reading your scriptures. You're faithful to church attendance. You're faithful in your finances and you're seeing God everywhere and life gets a little good. And then all of a sudden, the enemy is not, you know, he used to be all up in your life, and now he's a little bit away from life. you got a little margin in your life. And now you're not as scared as the enemy taking over as you once were, and so maybe you slack off a little bit. Ah, maybe you get going isn't all that important. Maybe I don't have to read my Bible every week. I don't, I don't necessarily have to shun all those things I did. Uh, I don't need to go to church all the time. I got some other things going on this week, maybe. You know, the beach is there. I don't need to read my Bible every week. I don't necessarily understand it. You know, I don't... I don't. And in these things that used to be the staple of your relationship with Jesus, your time alone with Him, the watching what you spoke, watch who you talked to, watching what you drank and what you ate and what you did with your time and your, the gossip that comes out of your mouth and maybe the hatred that lives in your heart where you used to block against that, all of a sudden, it's not as big a deal. And slowly, surely, the fire that once burned on the inside of us slowly grows cool. And we talk about it like a season. Ah, I remember that was that season, and I needed that season because I needed to get out of sin, but now I don't need that season. But you're either in the season of sin or you're in the season of on fire for God. The enemy never looks at your life and say, well, he used to be on fire for God. I don't have any room there. Well, he used to rebuke me, so I'm not going back. No, no, no. And next thing we know, like, something happens. And we're like, God, where, where are you? And God's like, yeah, where are you? Where, 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 where are you? I remember I used to meet you in the secret place. I remember you used to tell people about me. I remember you used to share your testimony. I remember we used to meet in the Word. I remember you used to serve the saints of God and it used to be so fulfilling, but now other things have come along. And you find out that your mighty tree that was protecting you is now a stump. We fall under bondage to the ways of this world. We used to pray before we did anything. Now maybe it's a, when I'm in an emergency, I, I've done everything else. Now I might as well pray. 
And I'm not trying to give condemnation here. I'm trying to bring sobriety to what it looks like to live for God, to, to actually make him the first in our life so we can walk in the blessings of the Lord. I just, it breaks my heart to see people get healed and go back to sickness. I've seen people get miracle deliverance and fall right back into the sin. I, I, I've seen people, I've seen people come, just go from like gutter junkies. You know what I'm talking about? Gutter junkies. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I'm not trying to insult anybody. They would call themselves a gutter junkie. Sold themselves to drugs. Get completely delivered. Like, like, like the kind, like you don't get delivered like this. Completely delivered. On fire for God. And then like lose a job. And in the space of a week, become addicts again. I've known people who got completely delivered on fire for Jesus. And things were going so well, they thought, ah, I can party one night, overdose and die. The enemy is waiting. The enemy remembers how he had you, and he's trying to get you back again. Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about? You, he knows what you've done for God, and he doesn't want to let you live free. The last thing the devil wants to do is let you live free. It's like the mafia. You don't get out. You don't get out. He's waiting for you. No, no, I disavow it. No, actually, now we have to kill you. Anybody know what I'm talking about right now? And God is like, man, I want you to live in freedom. And so Judah, they made this pragmatic choice. They're like, okay, we're not living in, in freedom anymore. Assyria starts to get powerful, and now they're getting a little scared. Because they have their nation, and they don't really have a strong army anymore because they've been living in peace. They, they don't have their prayer walls. They don't have their, their natural army. And so they've been living in peace and, and now Assyria is getting strong and they're like, ah, what do I do? I know what I do. I'll partner with some other people. They start, I'll use natural means to keep me. And what do we do in this world? God blesses our finances and then we walk away from God and things start to get not so great. And what do we do? Oh, I'll just work harder. I'll, 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 I'll not be around my family more. We start going to these, oh, I don't have peace anymore. I used to have peace all the time and I could pray and rebuke the devil. I have peace. Well, now maybe I'll just take a pill. Maybe I'll just take an anti-anxiety. Maybe I'll just you know, start drinking. And next thing you know, like that becomes your life. What used to be the peace of God, now it's this substance becomes your life force. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not here just trying to cast stones at the world now. I'm not just some preacher who's lived in an ivory tower and now is saying the world is... I'm talking about... We, we, we see this happen with people. We see this happen. And if you need an anti-anxiety med, I'm not, there's no condemnation here, right? If you have insomnia, I'm the last person to judge anybody about insomnia medication, right? I've been dealing with insomnia since most of y'all were in diapers, right? Like, so I, I'm, 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 I'm not casting stones, but I'm talking about the ill, the sickness that resides in our soul that only Jesus can heal. And then we start using medications and substances to try to drown out the voice of the devil, and all it is is powering him more. And this is, where, this, is where, this is where Judah was at. And instead of turning to God, they decide, hey, we'll, we'll go ahead and join forces with Syria and Israel against the Assyrians. But it, 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 Isaiah was letting them know, hey, that, this is not going to work. It's not going to work. It's like when you've got a real Christian friend, and they're like, that, that ain't going to work. You know that relationship. Any, any ladies you ever met with a, a friend and be like, this relationship is cancer. Do not date this man. This is not good. This is bad. And they're like, oh, no, but he really loves me. You're like, no, he doesn't. 
He's bad news. Have you, had that, have you ever had that conversation with people? Is there anybody you need to have that conversation with now? This is not healthy. This is bad. Get it together. This was, this was, this was, this was Isaiah to, to Judah. Get it together. This is bad. And they're like, I know what I'll do. I'll, I'll, I'll we'll do it. He's like, that ain't going to work. It ain't going to work. It ain't going to work. Only the work is turned into God. The devil's sneaky. The devil is sneaky and he works from the inside. He's like the Assyrians. He wants to get that foothold on the inside of you. He's not going to come to you with someone saying, hey, you know, Jesus is fake. You know, he's not, he wasn't really alive. And you're like, yeah, that's stupid. That's dumb. Ah, you know, just, uh, I, you know, if you would have grown up in India, you'd be a Buddhist. Or if you'd have grown up in Pakistan, you'd be, I'm like, no, I'd be saved because I've been, I'm chosen. I'd have been a Christian, martyred, I don't know, but I'm, but I, I, I'm chosen. Right, Duke, I'm, I'm, I've been a Christian anywhere. God saved me. I didn't grow up in a Christian home. Jesus saved me. Amen. He just saved me there. He saved me here. Saved me. I know he's alive. It's not, this is not some sort of philosophy that I was taught as a kid. Jesus Christ is alive and he saved me. Right? And so it's not like this exterior brute force is going to convince me that Jesus isn't real. What's going to happen is he's going to work on the inside like the Assyrians, the enemy's going to do. Like, do you really have to go? Do you really have to crack open your Bible? Does it really matter if this one time you go ahead and... Does it really matter this one... Is it, is it really that important? Do you really have to trust God? To, it, it, you know, maybe, maybe Christmas time is coming and something on the inside of you says, don't, don't go into debt. Like, don't, don't spend money you don't have on that car. Nobody's going to be impressed. Like, don't... And, 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 and I, I, feel like, I feel like if you spend money you don't have, to make your car sound obnoxious, like there's a special place in hell, right? Like for people, is that wrong? Is, is, that, is, that, is, is that wrong to say? Is that, is, that too much, too, is that too much? Okay, I'll pull that back a little bit. I'm like, did you pay money for your car to sound like that? Like, like good money you could have used on food to make it sound like that? Like, like you're paying money to make it sound like your car's breaking down? I don't, I don't, like I got a car that's breaking down. You could just use that and it'll make all the noise you're looking for for free. So it's, a weird, it's a weird generation that we got going on here. It's a strange generation. I'm like, congratulations, you're obnoxious. That is, that is great. Can't wait till you turn five and that stops. But hey, um, you get that little check on you and God's like, hey, don't, this is not a good idea. This is, you know, just don't, this is not a good idea. Like, like. Can we just be honest? Like, if it's like, you know, fifth, sixth night in a row and you're pouring that glass of wine, the Holy Ghost is like, how about tonight we stop? How about tonight we not have a glass of wine? You hear what I'm saying? And you're like, and you, hmm, you, now you know there's a problem. It's not a problem to have a glass of wine. It's a problem when you can't have, not have a glass of wine. It's not a problem when you have a glass of wine. It's a problem when the wine has you. Right? That, that's when we get the problem. And the Holy Ghost is like, hey, I got an idea. How about we just, I don't know, for a week. Like, you're, you're in an atmosphere like this in worship. And it's like, hey, how about for a week you just don't have any wine? And you're like, yeah. And you get outside, you're like, I don't know what I was thinking there. That was the Holy Ghost. <laughs> that was the Holy Ghost trying to get what happens in here out there. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? You get that clarity, that moment of clarity. You're like, maybe I 
I should stop texting him at 2 in the morning. Yeah, that's the Holy Ghost. <laughs> 2 in the morning comes, remember that. Write it down, put it on your phone, do something. Like, let's, like, let's drag that into our life, amen? This is what Isaiah is trying to say. And so, so we come out of this bondage and we get into the wilderness and, and the wilderness is the place of instruction. You're not where you were, but you're not going back to where you were either. You're not in bondage, but you're not going back to where you used to live. So when you lived in the promised land, you go into bondage because you disobey God. Now you're in the wilderness. Maybe, 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 maybe your life kind of fell apart in ways that you weren't expecting. And you're like, I, I, don't, I don't know how to live now. They, they call it deconstruction these days. And a lot of people are talking a lot about deconstruction. But I don't know, like two and a half years ago, I had a meeting with all our ministry team leaders. And I taught on deconstruction. I taught about this is how our relationship with God works. This is how our life works. We have a relationship with God or we have a belief system that we have constructed. And then something comes and we deconstruct it to make sure that everything in it is healthy. And then we do healthy reconstruction. We reassemble the truth about who God is so we have a properly constructed faith. I don't want you having some magical faith. We don't want magical thinking where, okay, if you just say the right things, magic prayers, and you do the right magic dances, and you go to the right magic church, and you have the right magic life. This is, this is not true. It's not Christianity. It's not reality, right? This, this walk with Jesus actually takes effort. It takes your mind, and it takes your soul. You have to actually be involved in your relationship with God. And in this, 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 this toxic immediacy, that so many people call Pentecostalism. This toxic immediacy that everything in my life has to be fixed by the end of this week. If I just say the right prayer, or I just believe the right thing, or I just think the right thought, then immediately God will do what I want to do is not in the scripture. It is not in tradition. It is not anything that God tells us to build our life on. Now, I have seen God do miraculous in moments. I have been all over Latin America with people in this room, and I have seen lives radically changed in a moment. I, I've seen people, you know, we went, I think I talked about this recently, we went on one mission trip, and we just saw stroke victims everywhere get healed. It was just the weirdest thing, like, how many stroke victims can you see in one town on the backside of Mexico in one week? And we saw them everywhere get healed, like, com like completely healed, like, absolutely healed. But there are tens of thousands of stroke victims in Mexico who didn't get healed. And this is a reality of Christianity. It is possible that today everything changes for you. But if it doesn't, what are you building? What are you building in your life? What are you constructing that will last? Do you have a framework in your life to live out your deliverance? This is what the promise, this is what the, the wilderness is for. The wilderness is when we construct a new life. If you're like wandering today, you're in a good place. This, this, this toxic immediacy, when you die to that and you say, I am going to make good choices and build a life on the truth of who God is. Now, this is something God can bless for generations. This is what this, is what, like, this new leadership in your life will look like. It's you cooperating with Holy Spirit. Let's look at this. Isaiah chapter 11, verse 2. He says, The Spirit of the Lord will rest upon him. Look at this. The Spirit of the Lord will rest upon him. 
And, and, and then when the Spirit of the Lord comes upon those who are being rebuilt. Now, this is talking about a messianic figure, but I want you to think about it in your life as well as you receive Christ. There's three like pairs of gifts that we see here. Take, take a look in your scripture. You can write in your Bible if you have a Bible that you can write on. I want you to underline it, write on stuff. If you're taking notes, I want you to get this. There's three pairs of, of promises here. He says the Spirit of the Lord, that's the, that's the Ruach in Hebrew. It's, a, it's the Holy Ghost of God. You see, we have to learn to cooperate with the Holy Ghost of God so that we can live lives honoring God and we can live in peace. The first two here is this spirit of wisdom and understanding. That's the ability to govern your life. With wisdom and understanding, you can govern your life. You can, like, if you're stuck in cycles of stupidity, like, you need a spirit of wisdom and understanding. So you can govern your life in a way that brings fruit. Are are you getting that? Is this landing? The spirit of wisdom and understanding. The second two promises are the spirit of counsel and might. The spirit of counsel and might is the leader receives that. Now he has an ability to rule. He's able to have counsel and and, and get counsel from leaders, but he has the strength to rule. So the Holy Ghost comes in your life and you get this this wisdom and understanding. So you have this ability to govern your life. Then you get this counsel and might. Now you have the ability to rule. And then, then really interesting in the Hebrew, this next two are are nouns. Um, they're, they're, They're... I'm not going to get into the details of the Hebrew, but it's the spirit of the knowledge and the spirit of the fear of the Lord. It's two nouns bound to God's name. Those are substances that you receive. The knowledge of the Lord, the spirit of the knowledge of the Lord, and the spirit of the fear of the Lord. This literally, this, this, this power of the Holy Ghost that comes upon you. Now you have the ability to govern your life. You have the ability to rule in your surroundings, meaning to govern it well. And then God is there with you, keeping you connected to the living God so you don't fall off the cliff again. Is this making sense? Let, let, let me know that it's actually landing, that I'm not just... Okay, thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you. And we have to give time for this to develop in our lives. This takes time. This is not a rah-rah message. This this takes time for you to develop a relationship with God. These are the three things that we believe. Next slide, please, Josh. We believe that you need to have encounters with God. And this is where we're going in 2023. We are building a worship team. Michael David and I are building a worship ministry. Things are about to get very exciting here. You need to have regular encounters with God in worship and sitting under the preached word in devotions. This is a huge part of who we are as a house. The worship in this house is about to take off. It's it's like I just, the Lord has talked to me. It's, It's about to get very exciting where the spirit of the Lord will minister to people. We need countercultural spiritual formation in our lives. Not just, you know, I'm, I'm being tossed to and fro by whatever happens in culture. I'm not tossed by what's happening in culture. I have an answer because I have been formed by Jesus Christ. So we need this countercultural spiritual formation. That's your time in the Word. That's your learning of Christ. That's just studying who God is. And then we need to live the mission of the kingdom. The mission of the kingdom. Spreading this good news to people who do not know. Doing works of justice in the earth. Bringing the justice of God to the earth. 
This is who we need to be. These are the three things that keep you in God's will. This has always been God's plan to keep you free. This keeps the Holy Ghost at work in our lives. And these people in Judah, the nation of Judah, they, they, they wandered from this. They felt like this wasn't important anymore. This, this keeping God at the center, trusting Him, doing His will, encountering Him, in, like, they, 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 this wasn't important anymore. And then they found themselves about to be overthrown. And maybe you lost focus. But God said, God said that thing, that tree, that thing that used to be the center of who he was is going to live again. Next slide, please, Josh. This, this, is, this is what it looks like. There was a tree that was cut down. And it was the promise. But out of the stump of Jesse grows a shoot. New life to things that you thought were dead. Now, I, I, I am, in, in this message and the rest, I am prophesying over your soul right now. What's going to happen in the coming days, you will lay in bed at night, and the thing that used to scare you, you will actually see, maybe it's going to work out. Maybe this thing is going to be fruitful. This thing in my life that I was embarrassed about, maybe God is going to be glorified in it. It's possible. It's possible that God is actually going to turn all this toward his purpose. And he will be glorified in this struggle. This is the promise of God out of the stump of Jesse. And then he says in verse 10, On that day, the root of Jesse shall stand as a signal to the peoples. The nation shall inquire of him and his dwelling shall be glorious. I don't know what you're embarrassed of in your life right now. But the promise of God is that one day it's going to be glorious. It's going to be glorious. This message of the gospel that you and I have been given has the power to make shameful things in people's lives glorious. Do you understand the power God has given you with your words? Those who do not know Him those who are far from God, and all they can do is try to make pacts with the nations around them to try to keep back the hand of the devil. And you have the power to share the good news in those areas that they are terrified of can become glorious, can be areas of their life that are most proud of because God has done a great work on the inside. This is who Christ is. This is what he's going to do in your life. It may have felt like it was dead. People may have gossiped about you about the failure. You may have felt shame in the midnight hour. But I'm here to tell you today, God is going to make it glorious in your life. I am prophesying over your life right now that a glorious season is coming forth in areas that did not look like they held life. It looked like the devil was going to win. But I'm here to let you know, there was a time that Jesus was in the grave and devil was having a party in hell. But on the third day, Christ 
Christ rose from the dead and all of Satan and every power was humiliated as he rose again with all power and authority. And 40 days later, he was seated at the right hand of the Father, the Bible says, and the nations were made his footstool and he has empowered people to tread on serpents. The enemy thought that he had won, but the enemy does not know that God is in the future right now calling you forward to the plan that God has for you. I don't know who I'm preaching to right now. I might be preaching to my own self. You may not want to pick this up, but I'll take it myself. God right now is in the future calling you to a future that he has for you. He's calling you forward to the future he's created you for. And you think that that one chapter that happened defines you. You think that that one struggle that you had now says who you are. You think just because it didn't work the first time or the second time or the third time that it's a failure. But God is the God of eternity. He is the God of the impossible. He knows what he has decided for your life. And just because you're in the wilderness now does not mean you're going to die in the desert. It means that God is preparing you for the promised land. God is shaping you to be a people that is his. I hope you receive this right now. I hope you get it in your soul because I believe it to be true. Can you say amen? I believe it to be true. Tell your neighbor it's going to happen to you. Come on, tell your neighbor it's going to happen to you. Get it in your spirit, man. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. We see this time and again. As we look at John the Baptist, I'm not done. I don't know if y'all are done. I'm not done. I'm trying to get this on the inside of you. I feel the anointing, Duke. I feel the Lord is going to shake some things in the name of Jesus. Going to make, he's going to shake some things, Tracy. He's shaking some things. Brent, he's shaking some things. He's shaking some things. He's going to let it loose. I believe it in my spirit. I believe it in my spirit. I believe it in my spirit. Holy Ghost, I believe your promises. I believe that you're, mm, I believe that you're alive. I believe that you're moving on people right now in the name of Jesus. I believe that your anointing is moving in the room right now. I believe it's moving right now, bringing dead things to life in the name of Jesus. Bringing dead things to life in the name of Jesus. Dead things to life. Oh, Jesus. People are going to say, you remember back when? But God. Amen. But God. But God. But God. But God. Oh, I feel the anointing. John chapter 3. We see another prophet in the wilderness. Watch this. Now in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the where? Come on, the prophets come out of the wilderness. The prophets come out of the wilderness. Hear me. You in the wilderness? The prophets come out of the wilderness. The prophets come out of the wilderness. They're not in the middle of the camp. They're not, they're not, they're not in the temple. They're in the wilderness. And so now we got John the Baptist, the prophet, in the wilderness. What's he telling Judea? Repent. The kingdom of heaven is near. Isaiah let him know, listen, listen, listen. The kingdom is so close, but y'all are missing it. And here's John the Baptist. Repent. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jump to verse 7. He saw the Pharisees and Sadducees coming for the baptism. He said to them, you brood of vipers who warned you to flee the wrath to come. 
Therefore, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. What's John the Baptist doing here? He's like, listen, y'all are looking for a fix. Y'all just, just want to make sure that you're, in the, you're, you're on the popular club. You just want to make sure you don't miss out. But, but, but there's a lifestyle God wants to build on the inside of you. He's like, bear fruit worthy of repentance. I want to ask you today, this week, is my life bearing fruit worthy of repentance? Where in my life am I bearing fruit worthy of repentance? He says, don't suppose that you could say for yourself, we have Abraham as our father. I say to you that these stones, from these stones, God's able to raise up children to Abraham. Watch this. The axe is laid at the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree that does not bear fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. You see how this prophet, John the Baptist, is speaking this prophetic language about the trees being chopped down. You see, this is in the history of Israel. John the Baptist isn't just some wild man coming doing something new. He is, a, he is one of the last of the Old Testament prophets saying, listen, it has happened before and it is happening again. As a matter of fact, no longer are we talking about a stump with a new shoot. He says he has laid the axe, what? To the root. To the very root. He's like, this tree is not going to grow anymore. You had your chance. It's done. The axe is laid to the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree that doesn't bear fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. But I baptize with water for repentance. But he who's coming after me is mightier than I. I'm not fit to lose his sandals, but he will baptize you in the Holy Ghost and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand and he thoroughly cleaned the threshing floor. He'll gather the wheat into the barn, but he'll burn up the chaff and unquenchable Fire. What's, what's, what's John talking about here? He's talking about there is a new season starting. Come on up if you would, Michael. There is a new season starting. Hear me. There's a new season starting, except that old tree that you want resurrected is not coming back. It's like, I got a new one. And this one's better. Just like the old one where I said the Holy Ghost is going to come. This new one, the Holy Ghost is coming. It's going to come on you with fire. And, and in that old one, if you could just turn down the keys, just one touch. And that old one if the, where the fire would come and burn. In this one, it's going to burn all the bad stuff out of your life. It's going to burn all the stubble, all the things that don't glorify God. It's going to burn it up. But he's gathering the good. From the time of his birth, the message has been the same. The world needs to make room for Jesus. I'm cutting down old trees to grow new ones. It's like I needed some, I needed some room in the forest. My bishop came here. You remember he brought this word to me personally. There's some people that I had to get at your life because they couldn't make the journey with you. They were incapable of making the journey. That hurt. That word hurt. But there's some people in your life that can't make that journey with you. And they got to go. You don't want to go with them. I had a man come in the, uh, this demonized guy showed up one time at a Bible study I was holding. 
weirdest thing in the world. He, I, he wasn't invited, he just showed up. <clears throat> We're all talking, and I was like, yeah. Fun fact about you, he's like, so weird, when I drove here, I don't know, I hit some water, and my car spun several times on the way here. The Holy Ghost is like, that man's filled with chaos. All right? I got the answer to that. Cast that out of him, right? So we're having this Bible study sitting. It was in the very first office I had. <clears throat> Remember this, Pastor Tracy? In the middle of the Bible study, he decides he's going to start arguing with me about the baptism of the Holy Ghost. About, this isn't God. This is, what about this? And where is that? And what's this? I'm like, I'm like we're just having a nice little Bible study here. Why you got why, why you to be extra? Like, why, what, what? I said, well, I never said any of those things. Who told you that? I said, I believe it was your father, the devil, who told you that. And um, he didn't like that. <clears throat> Can you turn down the keys just one touch for me, please? Just one touch. And so I told him, hey, I, I, got, a, um, I got an offer for you. That, that, that chaos of your car spinning around on the way him, that was a demonic uh, sign. You're good. There's, that was a demonic sign of the enemy at work in your life. And I have the answer. I'm going to cast that spirit out of this room. And you have a choice. It can leave with you or without you. Totally up to you. But I'm going to pray and that demon's going to leave. And he started getting really worked up. Remember this? And I said, here's what we're going to do. He's like, ah, it's not a demon. Blah, blah, blah. I said, here's what we're going to do. We're all going to pray in tongues. And then we'll see what happens. So we all began to pray in the spirit. And the man began to physically shake and start to sweat. And then he says, I discern the spirit of God is not in you. I said, of course you don't, devil. How could you? How could you? I said, now you know what's got to happen. And he starts walking out the door. I said, I told you that demon was going to leave with or without you. I would encourage you to stay and let the demon go. But it's totally your choice. You can go with it, home, and live in this chaos. Or you could stay and get set free. He left with the demon. And I'm like, as long as the devil goes, I don't really care. It's, you can have whatever demon you want. Pastor, that's a very odd story. Why did you tell us that story? That's a very strange story. <clears throat> the Lord wants to deliver you. And sometimes in your deliverance, you're going to take some things out of your life that you like because they're not of him. He's got to make room for Jesus in your life. And some of us got our life crowded with stuff that ain't Jesus. Now, I am not talking about your spouse. I'm not talking about your kids. I'm not talking about your mama. I'm not talking about any of that. I'm talking about these things in your life that are supposed to be honoring God but aren't. And he will clear the forest for some new trees. The world needs to make room for Jesus. We know when we witness the lost people, but, but, but Matthew here is, and Matthew, John the Baptist, is talking to the church. He's talking to the Jews who were there for, like, they went out to the wilderness for the, for the mikvah of baptism. He's like, y'all need to make room for Jesus. And as Jesus is coming, as we're preparing, we need to make room in our lives for Jesus. 
He's talking about the church here. This Christmas season, we need to turn to God and expect Jesus to come and change things. Because he's coming with judgment. And judgment means change. And judgment's only scary when you think the judgment won't go your way. But if you've been taken advantage of, you're ready for judgment. Because Jesus is going to come in court. He's going to let the world know that you've been wronged. I'm ready for him to come and set some things right. How about you? I'm ready for him to come and set them things wrong, some things right. How about you? I'm ready for him to correct some things that should be righteous but are unrighteous in my life. How about you? I'm ready. I'm ready for some things to get cleared up that the devil did. Jesus represents revolutionary change, and the people came out to the wilderness to see it. When we see that evil prospers, We anticipate, we live for, we live for this advent, this coming of Christ. It's the fulfillment of the transformative justice of the kingdom. When right will be vindicated as right and wrong will clearly be identified as wrong. I was in devotions this morning. I want to read to you what the Lord spoke to me out of my devotions. I want you to receive this for yourself. He said, I'm standing in the future calling you to a better future. I've laid a path of righteousness to my destiny for you. Move forward boldly knowing that I am for you and not against you. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Do not be concerned about the current struggle. Look how I am drawing you to be with me drawing you to be formed into my image, that you will be my representative on the earth, drawing others into my kingdom. Hear me, judgment is coming, but he wants us to pass that test. We know the test, so we're going to get an A. He's going to cut down that old tree of religion to make room for something new. Stand if you would. I want to pray. I want to pray a prayer that I hope you will boldly join with me. That God will clear the trees in my life and make room for Jesus. That he'll clear out the excuses to serving God. Clear out the excuses to being faithful to him and his church. And that I will share this kingdom with people around me. That they will walk in truth. writing to the Roman church Paul talked about this very thing about how God has been faithful to his people and we can expect it again and then he prays his prayer that I want to pray over you it's one of my life verses Romans 15 13 now may the God of hope fill you with joy and peace in believing so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Father, in the name of Jesus, 
Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you today that you've not given up on us, that you are moving on our behalf and you are touching people's lives, that you are bringing hope where there was fear, you are bringing boldness where there was timidity, and you are setting people free from the cycles of sin that have kept them away from you. Father, I thank you that your anointing is moving in families. Your anointing is moving in hearts. You are plowing ground and your judgment is resting in people's hearts that they may see what righteousness clearly looks like so that they can walk in your prosperity. Father, I declare today freedom over your people, deliverance over the house of God, and that you would bring peace Peace, peace that comes with knowing that we are yours and you are ours. We cry out with John the Beloved and the saints, come Lord Jesus, come. Come Lord Jesus, come. Come Lord Jesus, come. Now just take a moment right now. And make that scary prayer with God. Play a little more for me, David, if you would, so the people here like you. Make that scary prayer. Make a declaration in this moment right now. Let the Holy Ghost speak to your heart. Let the Holy Ghost speak to your heart. What's it going to look like in this season to really serve God? What's it going to look like in this season to chop down that old dead tree? What's it going to look like if... John the Baptist came to let you know, hey, Jesus said an axe to the root of that thing. What, what is that thing you're going to let die in your life so the new can come? Come on, make a covenant right now. Make a covenant with God right now. Speak it with your mouth. God, I'm going to make a covenant right now. Remind me on the outside. And if you're really brave, get somebody in your life to hold you accountable. I'm going to spend time with God. I'm going to attend church. I'm going to serve the people of God. I'm going to be faithful to God in my finances. I'm going to watch the words that come out of my mouth. I'm going to be the parent I'm supposed to be. I'm going to be the spouse I'm supposed to be. I'm going to be the worker I'm supposed to be. I'm going to be the Christian. I'm going to be the minister. I'm going to be the evangelist God has called me to be. I'm going to put down those things of the world. I'm going to pick up the things of the Spirit. I'm going to pray in the Holy Ghost. I'm going to love God. I'm going to speak words of encouragement. I'm going to encourage the people around me. I'm going to allow the Holy Ghost to use me to pray for the lost. I'm going to be a child of God. I'm going to ask you to take one more step. Take a note. Pull out your phone. Get out your notebook. Write it down right now. Make a covenant with God. I am going to be this. I, this week, this week I'm going to start. Don't get scared. Remember what you believed a minute ago. Make a big, audacious declaration over your life that you're going to put into action this week. Make a promise to God. And watch God move on your behalf. Let me help some of you. 
<clears throat> for some of you, this is going to be your first step. I'm going to stop being mean to myself in my thought life. I'm going to believe that my future is going to be good. And I'm going to tell other people the same thing. By the power of the Holy Spirit, your mind can be transformed into hope and peace. Did you write it down? You ready? Let me bless you before you go. You ready? The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His countenance on you and give you peace. In the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ, all God's people said, Amen, Amen. We give a clap offering to the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 If you are away from God and you want to just get right with God, we're going to be right here at the front. We'd love to pray for you. If you need healing in your body, we'd love to pray for you. Please keep Elder Mike and Sue Rentler in your prayers as they're fighting COVID. And we love you all. God bless you. I will see you. We have intercession tonight. All our ministry team leaders will be there, but we have intercession tonight on Zoom. The link will be on the front page of the website. Maybe that'll be the start of your new life. God bless you. We'll see you then.